Well, here we are. Save the date. This is week three. And uh, next week, I'm excited about what we're doing. But basically, here's what we've done. Uh, Week one, we talked about why we date. And really, dating is not a biblical principle. It's a modern day concept. It's the way we, in the modern day, uh, find a husband, find a wife. You know, they did arranged marriages back in the day. Some of us are like, let's do that again. No, maybe not. Um, but, but we date for marriage. That's why we date. So dating for fun is not a great idea because that's going to end terribly. It's either, I mean, if you're dating for fun, at some point that's going to end. We're dating for something. We, it is a means to an end, and that is uh, for marriage. And so we talked a little bit uh, week one about, about where we are in that, whether you're in the Egypt, wilderness, promised land. You can go back and listen to the podcast if you didn't hear that. Uh, and last week... Uh, we talked about um, who we date, why we date. Now we're on who we date. And if you remember, some of you were here last week. We talked about here are the eight things, guys, for you to look for in a future wife. Eight qualities in a future wife. We walked through Proverbs 31. All the girls were like, uh, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I can be all that. And, and, and I, I tell you that to encourage you, ladies, that, that God is not done with you, that you are in a place of preparation and he is moving you towards great things. And we're all a work in progress. And tonight I'm going after the guys, don't you worry, all right? Now they're gonna feel it, all right? Uh, and so um, we're all in this going, man, like to be the husband that you've called me to be, like I don't think I can do that. To be the wife you've called me to, I can't do that outside of Jesus helping me, changing some things in me. And that is a great place to be, all right? Um, to, to start off tonight, though, I, I, I will say this. I just I need all of you to know that I'm a huge golf fan. I need you to know this. I'm so dad. You didn't know how dad I was, right? Uh, I love golf, man, and I'm, I'm not great at it, uh, but it's addicting because like, every time I play, I'm like, I could do better. I feel like I could do better next round, and then I don't, and then I'm like, ugh. Anyways, does anybody know, anybody else a golfer in here? And y- y'all don't care about golf, a few of you. You're like, I love how y'all are like, kind of just like, I guess. Like, it's like a confession. Um, do you know what this week is in golf? There they are. There they are. Guys, this is a big week, all right? It is the Masters, y'all. Some of y'all don't know what this is. Okay, the Masters is the Super Bowl of golf. This is the tournament, y'all, and I get excited. They call it, you know, a, a tradition like no other, right? That's what they call it. And I'm like, you're right. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It makes me want to go like mow my lawn and like do the Scots and like try to get my lawn like that. And it's not, but the green jacket, the whole thing, I watch it. Um, I don't do any work at church. Don't tell anyone. I'm just streaming that thing on Thursday. Uh, But basically it's four rounds, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And uh, they do the cut line, you know, uh, on Friday night and only the the last 50 get in. But here's the thing about this tournament, y'all. It is so exclusive. This year, in 2023, only 89 golfers have qualified for it. 89. Now you're like, that seems like a lot. No, no, no. There are thousands of professional golfers. In fact, there are leagues in Korea and in Europe and uh, Latin America and even the amateurs. There's amateurs from those leagues that if you win from one of those leagues, you're invited in. But that's the only way you can qualify for this tournament is if you're a winner. All right, so, so like you have to, okay, here are the qualifications. There's actually 19, but they're a little redundant. Let me just give them to you real fast. Okay, if you've won the Masters before, that's awesome. That means you get a lifetime invite, all right? Like Arnold Palmer still could play in it, but uh, he's not, I promise. Um, Tiger Woods is playing in it. He hadn't won in like a few years, but he gets to play every year because he's won it before. Um, so you get lifetime if you've won it. 
Uh, or if last year you were in the top 12, you get invited the next year. So that's cool if you make the top 12. If you have won the US Open, the regular Open, the PGA Championship, the Players Championships, these are all like really big tournaments. If you've won it, if you've beat like 300 other people and won it, you get invited to the Masters or if you were in the top four, okay? Uh, a, if you've won a gold medal in golf, they let you in. I'm like, thank you, right? Uh, winning a gold medal. A lot of times these are the same dudes, by the way. Um, and then, like I said, there's a few amateurs that if they win their amateur league, they get invited to the Masters. This is amazing. And then finally, if you're in the top 50 of golf's world rankings, you qualify. If you're in the top 50, they let you in. Like I said, only 89 have made it. And when I think about these golfers, what I love about golf is it's not just skill. Like you don't just have to drive the ball perfectly, be able to chip, putt, scramble out when your ball takes a, like a left turn off of a rock and you're in the woods and you gotta make some crazy shots or you hit like a great shot. This is the worst in golf. You hit this like amazing shot and then it just hits the cart path and like bounces out of bounds. You're like, wait, that was a good shot. Or it goes into the sand trap. You guys don't care. I can see it on your faces. Anyway, it's not just the skill. It's like overcoming the mental thing when, when like you're, you hit a great shot and your ball rolls into a divot and it's going to be a hard hit even though I hit it well. And you're overcoming like bad bounces and all of this or you hit a bad shot and you're like mad at yourself but you have to keep going. There's this like deeper thing in golf and, and I like that. Why am I talking about this on Save the Date? It's this. It's so exclusive for them to qualify. And it made me think about this. Ladies in the room, we're talking to y'all tonight. What does it take to qualify to date you? What does it take for a guy to qualify to date you? Now, a lot of you are like, oh, it just depends on how much money he's got, right? Like, that's it. Like, uh, okay, no, maybe y'all aren't gold diggers. Okay, fine. Great, more spiritual than that. Um, but you're like, is he, uh, he's pursuing his uh, doctor? He's gonna be a doctor? He's gonna be, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what it takes to qualify. Uh, if he plays guitar, I'll date him. Um, that was my, by the way, that was like my philosophy. I was like, I'm gonna just try to like play guitar. It worked out for me. So fellas, you might wanna learn guitar, okay? Um, I learned last week that if you're short, sorry, uh, that's not on the list. Uh, so you might wanna learn guitar. Um, which has happened, that's right. <laughs> Sorry, Mason. he's like, yeah. Everybody wants to date the worship leader. I'm not gonna go after that. All right, here we go. I was a worship leader too, it's cool. We're moving on. The question though really is, do you even have a list of what it takes for you to go on a date with someone? Do you have a list? We talked last week about our lists and this week I wanna talk about a list because here's the deal. Any guy that you date is interviewing for the job. They are interviewing to be husband for life. Like they're interviewing to be the father of your kids. Now I know on first date, we're not going that pressure, right? You're like, you go on a date with them. You're like, how many kids you wanna have two? Wrong answer, sorry, disqualified, right? You're like, we're out. Now, I'm not saying be that hardcore on first date, but what we're gonna look at tonight, we're gonna look at a few texts and go, hey, if they don't have these eight qualities, they don't qualify to date me because I'm not gonna waste my time with that. And what I want you to hear, ladies, if you don't hear anything else tonight, is please don't settle. I'm actually calling you to raise your bar. Even if you have a high standard, I'm going like, raise it more. You are valuable. As a dad who has three daughters, and now I feel it a lot deeper. I really do. Like our interns, I'm like, I'm, I'm protective of them. I'm like, who are you dating? Have I met this person? You know, they're like, none of your business. No. 
But I'm telling you, do not settle. It is better to be single than to waste your time with some of these guys. And, and I, sorry guys, I'm, it's gonna be like that tonight. Just get ready. I heard Jerry Roll make this statement when I was in high school and it stuck with me all the way through this. So I'm totally still in this room here, but here's what he said, it's on the screen. It is better to be single wishing you were married than to be married wishing you were single. You can hang your hat on that one. Like that, that's big. It is better for you to be single, ready to be married in that wilderness, having to be patient, having to trust God and know you're not locked into something yet. It's way better to be single wishing to be married than to be married wishing to be single because here's the deal. Marriage is not a contract. Contrary to what this culture does. Here's what a contract is. A contract is, hey, we're gonna do this. Um, We're gonna make an agreement. Like if you'll do this, this, and this, if you're good at laundry and if you do these things, we're in contract and I'll marry you. If you make this much money and you have a job and you stay healthy and you're cool and you look good and and you buy me all these clothes, we're in a contract and we're good and we'll be married. But if you break that contract, it's over. That's how culture treats marriage. Like it's some contract. That is not how the Bible speaks of it. It's not even a commitment. Commitments are like seasonal. Like I made a commitment to be the line judge of my uh, daughter's volleyball team at the Y right now. By the way, I got yelled at by some parents while ago. I'm still dealing with that. But that's a commitment that's over in five weeks. I've committed, but I'm done, right? Marriage isn't even that. The Bible calls marriage a covenant, a covenant. We're talking life term and everyone's like, oh my gosh, life sentence. Let me tell you something. I've been married for 20 years. Don't listen to that junk. Oh, you've got your life sentence. Like by the grace of God, I got locked into this girl for life and she can't leave me now. Praise the Lord, right? Like we're in this. She's wised up to it since. Like, I don't know if I should, maybe I should have raised my standards. No, I'm just kidding. But it is a covenant. And here's what a covenant is. A covenant is till death do you part. It's why, why we talk in the way we do, why we do marriage and weddings the way we do. Because covenant is long term. It's not based on circumstances. It's committing till death do I part. I'm going to be with you. And so that's a big deal, right? Let's have some rules. Let's have some qualifications for us to even go down this path because this is a big deal. You're going to be the father of my future children. You better be awesome. So let's turn in our Bibles, 1 Timothy 3, and we're going to look through this. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Not as much cheering tonight on that one. Okay. Uh, And actually, Bollinger, he was actually the line judge tonight. Thanks for, uh, th- thanks, thanks for filling in for me, by the way. I just saw you. I'm like, he actually did the line judging tonight. It was the other guy that missed the play. I was just glad that wasn't me. Never mind. Uh, turn to uh, 1 Timothy 3. Sorry, I just saw. And I'm, I'm a little ADD tonight. Hang with me. There's a few lists that I'm going to give you tonight, but I want to hone in on this one. Now, here's what's going on. Um, if you're not familiar with faith, the Bible and all that, let me just explain kind of where we are. Uh, 1 Timothy is a letter that Paul wrote to his apprentice or disciple, uh, Timothy. And what they were doing is they were planting churches. At this point, Paul's a lot older. He's planted churches. He's got Timothy in place. Timothy's raising up leaders and planting churches and helping. And so Paul's writing to him a lot of different just instruction. And what's going on in chapter three is he's saying, hey, we got to get some leaders for these churches we're planting. And for them to be a leader of the church, they have to qualify. There are qualifications to lead the church. Now, why am I using that tonight? And it's because of this. The church is the bride of Jesus. 
And so it's a great list when we think about also having to uh, look at leading the church and the bride of Christ. But one of these days, one of you guys, you're gonna be dating a daughter of Jesus. You're gonna be leading a family who is also, uh, she is the bride of Jesus. She belongs to him. And so I'm making this parallel that if, if this is what it takes to lead the church, this is what it takes for a guy to lead his family well, to be a husband that can lead his family. And so I got eight quality. Now I had like 12 for the guys. And I was like, you know, we did eight last week. So we're going to stick to eight this week, but I want to read this passage. We're going to read first Timothy three, one through seven, and let's jump right in. But before we do, let me pray. Uh, God, I, I feel it right now. I'm a little ADD. So just, um, center my thoughts. And right now, God, would you speak to us? God, we just pause and open ourselves up to you, God. Um, I am praying right now for the future of all the marriages represented in this room, God, that you would do something even tonight that sets even a different path for some of these. God, that clarifies a path for some of these. God, that your word would speak and change us and convict us and encourage us and even challenge us tonight, God. But may it be your word and may it be what you wanna do. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place as we read, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. First Timothy 3, 1 through 7. This is a trust. Oh, I'm going to read uh, NLT, by the way, tonight. Yeah. This is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable position. Stop right there. It, it's okay to go. If someone desires to be a family leader, if someone desires to be a husband, that's a worthy desire. That's good. It, it, it goes in the same way. So a church leader, verse 2 he must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home. He must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not a lover of money. How are we doing so far, guys? Five out of eight? I don't know. Okay. Um, verse four. He must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? Verse six, a church leader must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. What I wanna do is go quickly, you've got some notes. But here are the eight qualities or qualifications for you to date, for you to be looking for a future husband. Number one, he's gotta have a good reputation. In fact, the reputation's number one because it's actually mentioned three different times in this text. It's bookending it. He says right at the beginning, uh, verse two, he must have a life above reproach that is without blame. There can't be stuff in his past legally or with other relationships that are coming in and going like, yeah, but remember you were this. It's talking about that. And then it goes on in verse two to say, and have a good reputation. But verse seven says, and also people outside the church must speak well of him. Ladies, you are looking for a guy that people speak well of. Now, what does that take? It takes the fact that the guy that you're dating is known. Like he's in community, he has friends, he has people that know him. Some of the guys you date, you, you, you don't even know them. You're just swiping and you're like, okay, this guy looks like a good person to date. And I'm telling you, 
You've got to pay attention to his reputation around. Like if we were to take a trip right now and we were gonna go to Paris, the first thing we would do, many of us, I know I would, I'm jumping on that trip advisor, right? I've never been to Paris. I don't know much about Paris, but I'm gonna find out all the reviews, right? Like where do I eat? What's cool? What's too expensive? And isn't even like anything, but man, you gotta go see this. You gotta look at this. In the same way as we approach dating, it is okay to get reviews. Like how did his last relationship end? Was it good? Are they still friends? There's like this episode on Seinfeld, by the way, where it's like the guy's like the bad breaker upper and he like gets stabbed and stuff. It's, it's, it's over the top, but he's like, he's a bad breaker upper. That's his reputation. Like some of us, if we were to be honest, we're like, oh, don't ask my exes like how things have have ended. And, and I'm not saying that to, to shame you tonight. And guys, please hear me. Tonight, there's going to be some things that hit you and you're like, ugh. And let that be a conviction to shift. Because even if you guys have a bad reputation, there is hope for you. Like I've made mistakes. So let me be the first to say it. It's not like you've made mistakes, so no one's going to date you now. That is not what I'm saying here. Jesus can redeem that. But some of you, if that mistake's been recent, guys, like you need some runway on your own. Like you need to heal from that. You need God to do some things in you. And what I'm gonna tell the ladies is this, if, if their mistakes and their, like what's caused a bad reputation to them has been in the last couple months, that's what I'm talking about. Like give them some runway. Let's see how this works its way out. You wanna date a guy who's got a great reputation. Number two, here's what it says. We're still in verse two. He must be faithful to his wife. Now you're like, well, I don't have a wife yet. How am I supposed to do that? Here's what the principle is. He's got to be faithful. He's got, to, he, he's got to keep his commitments. He's got to be a man who keeps his word. And by the way, not to go there and go heavy right at the beginning, but a lot of us right now are choosing to be faithful or unfaithful by the things that we're looking at on our phones and on the internet. You are choosing right now whether you're gonna be faithful to your future wife or not right now. And let me just say this because I know statistically there are so many of you guys in here struggling with pornography and actually the stats have like leveled out, still mostly guys, but a lot more girls are struggling with this. And let me, let me speak to that. When you get married, a porn addiction does not go away. I've counseled so many guys like, oh, once I'm married and we can have sex all the time and we just have sex. That's not how this works. It doesn't go away. And here's why. Pornography, it trains you for, vuln it trains you for variety. So, so what happens is uh, I've got this 2D image. I'm looking at something and I'm like, oh, that's fine. And then I need something different and I need something different. And what pornography does is it trains you for variety, which is not what your heart was designed for. It's not what marriage was designed for. Sex and a naked body, it was designed for one person and one person only, for my eyes only, for your eyes only. When we are married, it's just us. I got eyes for no one else. And pornography is doing so much damage. So here's what I wanna say that I'm not trying to shame you because I know there's a lot in here struggling with this, but here's what I wanna say. For the sake of your future marriage, please get a hold of that now. And here's how. It's not to try, like go home and I'm gonna try not to look anymore. I'm gonna try to like not do that. It, it, it's more of a white flag surrender. Like I got an issue and I thought it's not a big deal, but if I was to be honest, I have an issue. And what the Bible is gonna say is in James 5, that if you would confess your sin to one another and pray for one another, you would be healed. Some of you, you desperately need to be healed of this addiction. 
You need to find purity now. And the way that we get rid of darkness in our life is by dragging it into the light. And it's the hardest thing. I'll never forget, I was a junior in high school and I was at a thing like this and I was struggling. I was looking at a lot of stuff and I literally, because no one talked about it, I thought no other dude struggled with it. And, and I just felt so convicted that I pulled my friend on like, you're gonna think I'm super gross. You're gonna think I'm super weird, man. But like, I'm just like looking at a lot of things I shouldn't. And he's like, yeah, me too. And so do they. And we are kind of all, and I'm like, wait, what? How come we're not talking about this? And that was the moment. I was 17 years old that it changed everything. And it was so scary for me to go talk to him. I was like, man, I'm gonna get judged. He's gonna think I'm weird. I think that saved me, y'all. I wanna tell you, be courageous and drag that darkness into the light. Don't let it stay in the darkness. It just grows and festers and gets worse. Like bring it into the light. It loses its power. Confess to a trusted friend, to one of us, to one of our staff. We wanna walk with you through this. Get covenant eyes on your phone. Like take the temptation thing away and start praying for God to give you victory. He will. I didn't mean to go way into that, but I... God's will is for you to be pure. So don't ruin that right now. And there's a chance for you. There's a chance, big time. In Jesus, you can have healing from that. You can be restored from that. You can be freed from that stuff, man. But don't play games with it. It is a big deal. The enemy's going, that's not a big deal. That's not a big deal. Everyone's doing that, no big deal. It is. All right? I had to say that. Number three. Kind of leads into this next one. Be faithful to your wife and exercise self-control. Of course, you struggle with sexual sin. You were wired that way, okay? That's a temptation. And a temptation is not a sin. Jesus was tempted. But Jesus had a way out and, and, and knew the word and knew the lies of the enemy and fought back with the scriptures and the promises of God and trusted in God and, and trusted himself. Now, his temptations were different than some of ours but he was tempted. And I think some of us think that like, because I'm tempted, I'm already sinning. Can I just tell you that's not true? You're gonna be tempted the rest of your life, but God provides a way out. He gives us the ability to overcome through his strength as we cry out to him, as we flee that stuff, as we literally run away from it. So the person is self-controlled. Ladies, real quick, here's what I wanna, I just wanna tell you the big three with guys in self-control. Here's what you're looking for. Number one, are they self-controlled in drinking? This is a big one. Are they self-controlled in drinking? What does it say? Uh, do not be with someone who is a heavy drinker. Now, I, I'm gonna be the first to tell you there's nowhere in the Bible that says drinking a beer is a sin. In fact, Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. Fine, okay? Like wine, they drank wine. Here's the deal what the Bible does say all the time. That getting drunk is a sin. Getting drunk, you lose control. Getting drunk is unwise. So to drink a beer, whether that's right or wrong, and I'm 21 and that's okay and it's no big deal, fine. But is it wise? Is it taking me down the right path? Because I've walked with a lot of guys who said, you know what, it's no big deal. I have a few brews with my friends. I'm like, fine, whatever. And now they're married and they're alcoholics and it's ruining stuff. And, and some of you, you've grown up in these families do not date a guy who is a heavy drinker. Do not date, if a dude is getting drunk in front of you, red flag. And some of you girls, like, you're getting drunk too. 
Red flag, this is not a great relationship. This is not ending well. A lot of sexual abuse, a lot of our biggest regrets are around alcohol, if we were to admit it. Be very careful with alcohol, college students. Be very careful. Yeah, it's playing with fire. Number two, not just can he be self-controlled with not drinking, even though he can, but he's not. Is he self-controlled in his purity? I'm gonna go back to that one. Are you having to lead him? Nope, nope, can't stop. Or is he self-controlled in his desires for you? Look for a guy that's self-controlled in purity. If you have a guy that is cheating on you or who is looking at a ton of porn, I wanna tell you, like, break up with that dude. I don't normally get this direct, but it'll be a grace for him. It will be gracious of you to do that. He needs healing. He needs to, he needs to work some stuff out. And then maybe later on, who knows? But I'm just telling you, you gotta watch out for that. And the third one is this, not just self-controlled in drinking and purity, his anger. A lot of us, me included, there's just something in us that gets angry easy. And we need the gospel of Jesus to change that in us. And so hopefully you're dating a guy that Jesus is changing and transforming and he's doing something with this anger. But I would pay attention, is he losing his top often? Can you not control it? That's a red flag. You wanna date a guy and marry a guy who's self-controlled, not perfect, but is learning to put that into control. Evaluate this guy's pattern of life. Proverbs 25, 28 says this, a man without self-control is like a city broken into with no walls. Anyone can come in and have their way. He is, who knows? Self-control is the walls. It's putting up these things. It's protecting your family. Number four, it says that he should live wisely. Verse two, exercise self-control and live wisely. I'm going to go fast on this one. I would just say, evaluate the guy's choices. Is he making wise choices? Like who are his friends? Who has he chosen to hang with? You become the sum of your five closest friends. You know this, right? It's proven over and over. Who you hang out with is who you become like. All right, if you're like, well, he's not like his friends, like he's different than all of his friends. I'm just telling you, statistically speaking, over and over, you become the sum of your friends. So what choices is he making in the friends he's choosing? What choices is he making in how he spends his money? Okay, he's got a job, he's working, but how is he spending it? Does he save? Does he blow it? Is he wise with it? This is gonna play out in your marriage. What about his career path? Is he on a good future? Does he know kind of where he's headed? Is he wise with his words? So Proverbs 14.33, a great proverb uh, for you to know. Proverbs 14.33, wisdom rests in the heart of a man of understanding, like it's in him. And it says this, and it makes itself known even in the midst of fools. You can see wisdom if you look for it. Okay, I'm gonna go fast. Number five is still verse two. I mean, there's a lot in verse two, y'all. Having, uh, having a good reputation, we already talked about that. And it says, enjoy having guests in his home or some of your translations say hospitable. Is he hospitable? And here's really what it's getting after, okay? Does he share? Is he selfless? Does he share his things? Or is he like super greedy about his stuff? That's gonna play out in your marriage. Not only that, 
like, is he selfish with his things or is he selfless? And I've talked to married couples who are like, we have our own bank account. He has his, I have mine. And we kind of do this and that's my money and that's my money. I'm just telling you, it can get dicey in marriage. You got a greedy husband. But it also denotes community. He has people in his home. He's known, he's available. People know him. He's not just walled in. He's got good community. Community is a big one, right? Like how do we know if he has a good reputation unless he has community? So again, looking at who he hangs out with, but I'm just telling you in marriage, do not marry a super selfish person. Now, marriage always kind of reveals selfishness. I, I didn't realize how selfish I was till I got married. I'm like, oh, she likes to do things I don't like. I don't really wanna go shop there. Like I wanna see this movie and she wants to see the rom-com. I'm like, oh, I guess, I guess we'll see that. You know, and he's just like, man, I'm selfish. And that's fine. We all have that to a degree, right? But someone who is so about themselves, all everything, it's all give, give, give. You know, when you've been in that relationship where it's all give, give, there's no, te- it's just like, it's me, me, me. Don't marry that person, okay? Proverbs 15, 27, whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his household. But he who hates bribes will live, a man of integrity. Proverbs 28, 25, a greedy man will stir up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord is enriched. You see, there's two mentalities when it comes to money. Is it there's scarcity? This is all I got. This is all I got. We gotta hang on to this. This is all there is. Scarcity. Or is it that my God owns a cattle on a thousand hills? He provides for me and I live in an attitude or a mentality of abundance. I'm gonna give because God's gonna return it and I'm trusting God with what I have. That will play very well in marriage if you, if you meet a guy like that. Number six, uh, let's go to this one. It says that in verse four, a man that manages his family well, having children who respect and obey him. Okay, here we are again. Wait, I thought we were talking about husbands and you're talking about already managing a family. What it is, is this. Does the guy lead? Can he take initiative? That's what this is getting after. Is he a leader? Does he take initiative? And real fast on this, guys, actually ask the girl out. Like be bold enough and courageous enough to be initiative and be like, hey, I noticed you. I think you're kind of interesting. Would you be cool if we went and got coffee and just to see if there's anything here? Now, now ladies, guys are scared of commitment. That's true. Most of us are like, I don't want to lock in. I don't know. So that's why they're kind of like, let's, let's see. Let's just group date. I don't know. But when you're ready to date a girl, guys, like pursue her. She's worth it. Put yourself out there. You guys, ladies, you wanna date a guy who takes initiative. And then if you date them and there's not ambiguity, it's not like, I don't even know if we're together or we're not. I don't know, he doesn't really say it. I don't know what this is. Guys, you gotta bring clarity. If you go on that date and it's like, that didn't really work out. Don't be like, I'll call you ghost, right? Don't do that to him. Like girls wonder, they're like staying up all night. I wonder if he's going to call me. Is he going to call me in a minute? Is he going to call me in the morning? Did he have a good time? Did I say something? I mean, girls are like, like generally speaking like this. I didn't know this till I had daughters. Now I have 15 year old y'all. I need y'all's help. I need y'all's help with this 15 year old. Oh my goodness. But it's true. They wonder. And so guys, clarity is still kindness. Like, Hey, I didn't sense anything there. You're a great person. 
you're probably not someone I'm gonna continue pursuing. Now that sounds like brutal and savage, but it's actually kind. It is kind. Don't be ambiguous, man. Don't just be ambiguous with it. Oh, we'll see where it goes. Now, my story with my wife, we started like talking. We, on our junior year, we'd been together just like all through college, but never dated. And we started hanging out and all of a sudden we're hanging out and I'm, I'm kind of like, mm. and she's like, just looks at me one day and she's like, what is this? Like, why are you over at my apartment? She's like DTR in it. Y'all don't know what that means. It means define the relationships, the old term we used to use. She is DTR. She's like, what is this? And I'm like, okay, dang, like aggressive. No, I'm kidding. But I'm like, yeah, I wanna pursue you. And, and then that was the moment where I was like, I probably need to be the one to initiate some of that. Now she can, and some of y'all are already asking it right now in your head. Like, can a girl not ask a guy out? Some of you are asking that. Can I not ask a guy out? Okay, sure, fine, okay? But think about how you're starting that relationship off. Like, do you wanna be in the driver's seat the rest of the way? Like, are you just like, I'll take initiative. I'll tell you what this is. And here's what we're doing. Like, you don't wanna do that to him. You wanna give him an opportunity. I get that sometimes you're like, come on, bro. Say something, right? And, and we are scared little boys inside, right? We're like, I don't know. I don't wanna be rejected. Like, I get it. But I'm not gonna tell you yes or no, girls, to like, but like, just think about it. Like, how do you, what do you want later? You want a guy that pursues you. Make him pursue you. Again, stay single and find the right guy. If a guy's not willing to pursue you, just let it be. Man, I'm getting on a soapbox. I, you should, I have daughters, y'all. This is, this is near to the heart. And also let him take initiative and lead you in purity. Uh, ooh, that was a hard one. Number seven, I gotta move quick. It says that he has to be able to teach in verse two. But then it also says in verse six, a church leader must not be a new believer. And what I would say is you are looking for a guy who is spiritually mature. You are not looking for a recent convert. You are not looking for a guy that you're gonna save, like missionary dating, like I'm gonna get him saved, all right? Now I get in this room, maybe that's happened. Maybe you didn't know anything about faith. A girl started dating you. She was really passionate about Jesus and it's led you to the Lord. That's, that's awesome, that's great. Maybe don't get married quite yet though. Like this is for life. We wanna see how this thing plays out. And what I would tell all of you ladies, and this was like an old Tommy Nelson like illustration, but what he said is, is for all of us. If it says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else that we're worried about will be added to us, will be given to us. God has called you ladies to seek him. And so as you pursue Jesus and as you run after him, look to your left and right and see what dude is running as hard as you. Who is right here with you? Don't look back and be like, let me help you. Like, I'm gonna make you love Jesus. Come on, you're, you're super hot, so I'm gonna teach you about Jesus. I'm just telling you long-term, that's not, that's not gonna work out. Guys don't wanna be changed. Now, Jesus can change us. Jesus can come in and change. You can't change him. Don't, don't date a guy because you're trying to like save him. Be his friend and let him get around people and tell him about the gospel, but don't date him. The Bible is really clear on marriage. In 2 Corinthians 6, 14, what does it say? Do not be unequally yoked to an unbeliever. That is a specific reference to marriage. Don't, li don't lock in lifelong with someone who is not valuing what you value, who does not love Jesus like you love him. It, will, it, it doesn't go well. It, it's pushing and pulling and save you the heartache now while you can choose who it's gonna be. Date a guy who loves 
Jesus. Because this, I'm telling you, the guys all would admit it in here, like none of us are a 10 on here. We all struggle with things. We struggle with our purity. We struggle with our anger and we need Jesus to change in us. So you're looking for someone who's being changed by Jesus, not someone who's perfect, but if they're walking with God, then they have a chance. But also remember, you're, they're interviewing for the job and if they're gonna be the father of your kids and they're gonna be kind of a household theologian, do they know the word of God? Do they love the word? Because it's gonna affect your kids one day. So you're dating someone who loves Jesus. Yes, you can lead your boyfriend to Jesus. I'm just saying, don't marry him right away. Finally, number eight, verse six. He can't be a new believer because he might become proud. The, the, the literal term there is puffed up with conceit. And I was just having a conversation with uh, a, a few people on our staff about this. So, so we're looking for a guy who is humble. And I don't know why all in high school, I would watch these girls just be so attracted to like the total conceited, cocky jerk. And I'm like, what was it in that? Like, why, why are you girls attracted to that? And maybe it's just because they have confidence or that they're like seen and recognized. So you kind of like attach to that. I don't know what it is, but I'm telling you that does not marry well. It's super fun to date the high school quarterback who's so into himself and he's so cool and everyone worships him, but he's mine. You don't want to marry that. You wanna marry someone who is humble, all right? Proverbs 16, 18, pride comes before the fall. Humility looks good on anybody. In fact, I, you know, I like this. Let's, let's say that one together, okay? Okay, I'm gonna say it. Humility looks good on everyone, all right, ready? Let's say it. Humility looks good on everyone. It was, it was a good try. Uh, I'm gonna do this one more time. I really want this to sink in. All right, ready, go. Humility looks good on everyone. Yeah, I want you to think about that. I think for us guys, if we, if we admit our mistakes, we feel like we're weak or like I can't be wrong or it looks like I'm an idiot. I don't like that. But actually, girls dig this and this is good. So does God, by the way. When I can admit my mistakes, when I can admit that I was wrong, when I say I'm sorry to my wife, that's like the second best thing I could say to her versus I love you and you're beautiful. It's like, I love you. You're beautiful. Well, actually, it's like, I love you. I'm sorry I was wrong. You're beautiful. I mean, it's like that level. She could hear it all day. But I'm talking authentically owning that and believing that. So, so real fast, because what does humility look like? I'm just going to throw this on the screen. I just made a little list. Humility looks like this. Is the guy teachable? Like, is he growing and teachable or does he have the world figured out? Is he open to learning or does he have to always be correct? You're dating this guy and he's gotta always be right. He's gotta correct you. That was one of the things that my wife had to correct me on, the fact that I would always correct her. Like, actually, well, you said that, you know, and she's like, please don't do that, right? And I'm like, I'm sorry, I gotta learn. Will the guy that I date admit when he's wrong and can he say that he's sorry genuinely? Like, I'm sorry. Another fruit of humility is that he fears God and he's following God and he wants to honor God with his life. That, that, like, you can't be in the presence of God really and not be humble. When you get in the presence of God, that is, that is the fruit of being in God's presence is humility because God is awesome, right? Does the guy serve? That's, that's evidence of humility. So ladies, to sum it up, you are looking for a guy who is well thought of by others, who's committed and faithful 
who has self-control and is growing in it, I would say, who's making wise choices at this point in his life, who's selfless and, selfless and can share his things, who can take initiative and can lead out, who knows Jesus and trusts the Bible and loves the Bible, and a guy who is humble. You find this guy, you found him, like hang on to him. That's gold. But as I look at this and it just looks like perfection, I'm like, man, I don't even like measure up to this to be quite honest with you. And so the point of the night for all of us from last week to this week is that none of us can be this without the help of Jesus. None of us can be who God's called us to be as husbands and wives without Jesus's help, without walking with him and knowing him. We have no hope for change if we don't have a real living relationship with God. Real fast, because I have this in my notes and I still wanna share it because I don't get to anymore after this, at least for a while on this subject. There are two other lists, ladies, that I want you to know. What's the evidence that this guy walks with God? What's the evidence that he's really walking with God? It's Galatians 5.22. Check out the fruit in his life. It, does he have genuine love, joy, peace? Is he patient? Does he have kindness? Because that is not in any of us. That is not our natural self. But if he's loving and kind and patient, like that is evidence he's walking with the Lord. That's good. All of you ladies, I said this last week, your number one need is to be loved and valued and treasured. So, so if I need to be loved, what guy's gonna do that? Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 13. This is a list. I want a guy that loves me. So is he patient? Is he kind? Or is he jealous and boastful and proud? Is he rude? That is not love. Does he demand his own way? That is not love. Is he irritable? That is not love. But does he keep no record of wrong? That's love. Does he rejoice when truth wins out? That's love. And love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. These are our lists and they're very big lists. But ladies, don't settle. Don't lower your list because you don't wanna be single anymore and you're tired of waiting. Don't do it. Raise your standard. Call some guy to that. You are valuable. You are beautiful. You are loved and this is what it's gonna to take to date you. Not perfection, it's not what I'm saying, but a guy who's trying. A guy who's trying to walk with Jesus, a guy who's trying to do the right thing, a guy who's trying to make wise choices. And fellas, as we look through this list and we go, man, I, I don't know if I got that. Okay, let's ask God to work on it. And let's pray. Oh.